Hello, everyone, and welcome to the China Untold podcast, a platform dedicated to sharing lesser-known stories from the world's most populous nation. I'm your host, Matt Bossens, coming at you from freezing cold Beijing, China. When I was a small child, the cousin of a close friend of mine had a terrible accident. The toddler was left briefly unattended by his caregivers and wandered into the family's backyard, where he fell into the swimming pool. Unable to swim, the youngster languished beneath the water's surface for several minutes before being found. He was quickly transported to the hospital and resuscitated. His life was saved. Unfortunately, the lack of oxygen to his brain left him in a vegetative state, and he would spend the rest of his life severely disabled and require constant care. This tragedy is still imprinted on my mind two decades later. As a father, the idea of having your child suffer a traumatic accident is gut-wrenching. The further thought that your child's life could be irreparably damaged by a moment or two of distraction is heartbreaking. Disabilities know no borders. In my home country of Canada, about one in five people aged 15 years and over, or about 6.2 million individuals, had one or more disabilities in 2017, according to Stats Canada. In China. More than 85 million people have identified themselves as disabled on the national census in 2010, according to the China Disabled Persons Federation. In the PRC, being disabled often comes with stereotypes. For a long time, disabled persons in the country were referred to as kanfei, an amalgamation of two characters meaning incomplete or deficient and useless. Starting in the 1990s, people began using the term kanji, shifting the second character to one meaning disease or sickness. Unfortunately, this is still the word of choice today to describe disabled people. Kanfei is unquestionably derogatory, and the word's implication that disabled people are useless is both gross and factually incorrect. However, kanji is honestly not much better. As it implies that disabled people are deficient due to an illness. I recently came across two powerful stories about disabled individuals in China overcoming the barriers in their lives to not only attain success and recognition in their communities, but also help empower other people to succeed. Today, I would like to share their stories with you. My life fell into the abyss at a young age. For a long time, I kept my eyes open, although I could see nothing colorful, only darkness. These are the words of Xinjiang resident Wang Xuji, recalling the accident that changed her life in the autumn of 1983, when she was 26 years old. At that time, Wang was employed in a position that saw her working with heavy machinery. 
To this day, she still doesn't know how her hand got sucked into fast-running machinery. She only remembers the aftermath. She recalls standing on the machine's operating platform, hearing the screams and cries of her coworkers, and she remembers seeing the bones, tendons, and muscles in her hand being engulfed by the machine. Wong has also long since forgotten how she was sent to the hospital for treatment, but she still remembers the day the gravity of her situation hit her when she subconsciously raised her right arm to comb her hair. At the realization of what she had lost, she broke down completely, collapsing on the ground and wailing inconsolably. For several years, Wong did not speak in public. When she ventured outside her home, she carefully folded her broken arm into her sleeve and avoided eye contact with strangers. Wong could not live like this forever, though. She had to take care of her aging parents and her three-year-old daughter. So she pulled herself together and regained the courage to pursue a new career. In 1997, Wong started her own business breeding red deer. Despite her family and relatives' opposition, she borrowed money to buy three red deer from Southern Xinjiang and constructed a deer house with her husband. One year later. Thanks to hard work and perseverance, and Wong realized profit from the sale of her red deer products. This success motivated her, and the fire of ambition was kindled inside her. She decided it was time to expand her operation and breed more red deer. Wong's family and the local production and construction corp supported her plan. The couple set up new deer houses in the Gobi Desert. With a loan of 150,000 yuan from their acquaintances, to start with, she only hired two full-time employees, and her family worked part-time to help her reduce costs. She got up at 6 a.m. every morning and made preparations for the day ahead, soaking mortar and transporting red bricks. After her full-time workers arrived, Wang and her employees set themselves to building more deer housing. She shoveled mortar with a spade in her left hand, and then poured it into a barrel with the help of her handless right arm. The disability did not hinder her work. Working in full swing for 50 days, Wang and her team built two 600-square-meter deer houses. Upon the completion of the project, she bought another 12 red deer. Wang was excited to see the deer jumping and playing in their newly built homes. Her hard work was paying off. The diet of red deer is grass, and the animal's healthy growth depends heavily on their ability to forage. Wang turned to the leaders of the local production and construction corp for support. Thanks to the corporation's party committee, Wang was granted more than 26,000 square meters of alkaline land to grow crops for her deer to forage. She also planted alpha alpha seeds on the barren plot of land and enjoyed a good harvest through hard work and her father's guidance. After conquering many difficulties, Wang enlarged her farm further to raise 40 red deer. At this point, she had regained confidence, most importantly, in her ability to succeed. Unfortunately, a challenge would emerge. As one of the male red deer died of diarrhea, the economic loss upset Wong's parents, and she was even teased by an unnamed individual in her community 
Despite the setback, Wong did not waver in her confidence. Instead, she decided to learn how to treat her red deer for illnesses they may encounter. She mastered the knowledge and skills needed to keep her animals healthy. She did this by obtaining a certificate after attending a training program on animal husbandry and veterinary medicine at a university in Xinjiang in 2003. In 2010, Wong applied for a $1 million government-subsidized loan from the local Disabled Persons Federation to expand her farm to 2,000 square meters. She now raises a whopping 240 deer every year. Wong has also cooperated with others to launch farms and develop agricultural sightseeing. As her business grows, Wong's farm is generating more economic benefits. Her products are now available in South Korea and domestic cities such as Dalian, Guangzhou, and Qingdao, with an annual profit of 1.2 million yuan. Through her persistent efforts, she has opened a bright new chapter in her life. Wong is always thinking about those who have helped her and her disabled compatriots that have not been able to achieve the success and support she has enjoyed. In January of 2011, Wong learned that the only surviving Red Army veteran in the 8th Division of the Corp had broke his leg. She hurried home and collected some Red Deer products from her farm to present to the injured veteran. In July of 2013, when Wong attended a training program for the disabled, she handed out 3 kilograms of deer antler capsules to 15 classmates who were in poor health. Seeing that disabled people have difficulty securing jobs, Wong chose to employ workers with disabilities. All of the 12 employees working on her farm are disabled, and Wong pays all their living expenses. In addition to accommodation, Wong also offers them a monthly salary of 1,500 yuan. She says she hopes that one day they will be able to support themselves through their own efforts, which will build their confidence and bring them happiness. In 2013, Wong's farm was identified as a base for helping disabled people escape poverty by the local Disabled Persons Federation. The same year, she invested half a million yuan in supporting and serving more disabled people in her neighborhood. In recognition of her incredible drive and success, Wong was named a national role model of self-reliant efforts five times by 2014. In 2016, she won the Struggling to Go Forward Prize at the National Award for Efforts in Poverty Alleviation. Li Zhuang was born in Tangjai village in Anhui's Suzhou city in 1985. During her childhood, she regularly fell down and hurt herself due to a poor sense of balance. In 2008, she fell straight to the ground during a PE class and then gradually lost control of her limbs. Her muscles degenerated quickly, leaving her paralyzed in bed without the ability to take care of herself. She was diagnosed with syringomyelia at a hospital in Nanjing in 2012 and realized that she would never stand on her feet ever again. The only part of her body that worked was her mouth. Li could not bear the torture of her illness 
and found nothing meaningful in life. At that time, the idea of committing suicide emerged from time to time. Lee's mother and sister were responsible for taking care of her. Lee's mother would regularly carry her from her bed to her wheelchair, a task her mother says was manageable due to her daughter's meek 35-kilogram body. Lee's sister was responsible for moisturizing her lips. In an effort to reduce the burden on her caregivers, Lee even began limiting her water intake to avoid having to use the toilet. She pleaded with her mother to end her life with poison because she did not want to trouble her family anymore. Lee recalls a day when she was recovering from a coma due to a high fever, and she felt like she was dying. She saw a group of relatives gathering in her room to bid her a final farewell. At that moment, she felt a strong desire to survive. She still had so much left to do, and so much of the world to see. The experience changed her understanding of life, and she decided to enrich her existence through hard work. Lee repeatedly practiced pressing buttons on a remote using a chopstick set in her mouth, hoping to create a new hand for herself. Gradually, she gained the ability to dial numbers on a telephone using the chopstick. She even learned to use the internet on a mobile phone in 2013, making her dull days more colorful. She likes browsing news and chatting with friends online. A wonderful new existence began to emerge, and Lee's optimistic attitude allowed her to begin thinking about how to live a better life. From then on, Lee kept in touch with the world via her mobile phone and got to know more about China's Internet Plus initiative. The Internet Plus program is intended to link China's industries to the world through connectivity services. In 2015, Lee's hometown was rated as a national demonstration county for its development of e-commerce in rural areas. As part of the program, the local government began to promote local agricultural products through the internet. Many young people seized the opportunity to start their own businesses, and a large number of impoverished villagers escaped poverty through selling products online. In the winter of 2015, an intense snowstorm lasted for several days and hindered her parents' ability to transport their 10,000-kilogram apple harvest to the market. To address the problem, Lee decided to try to sell the fruits online via WeChat. Her parents helped her to take photos of the apples and upload them online. Lee herself replied to customers by typing words with a touch control device in her teeth. It usually takes most people seconds to type a reply on the phone, but Lee had to spend several minutes or more to answer messages. Despite this, she never failed to address inquiries from prospective customers. Once, someone asked her to explain why she was so slow to respond. Her explanation helped her to gain more sympathy from customers and more orders. However, Lee did not intend to rely on the pity of others. Instead, she insisted on winning people over with quality products and top-notch service. Through her persistent efforts, all of her parents' 10,000 kilograms of apples were sold out within two months. Though dubbed the land of fruit and boasting numerous orchards, Lee's home county has been on the national list of poverty-stricken areas for many years. To help address this, 
After expanding sales for her parents, Lee decided to also help local villagers to sell their fruits. The county's party committee was touched by her deeds and self-reliant spirit and provided specialized support to Lee. The committee helped her to register her own brand and offered tutoring to teach her how to operate an online store and improve her packaging and sales system. Since then, Lee's e-commerce business has developed steadily. She established a company and opened a store on China's online retail giant JD.com. Many leading e-commerce enterprises in Dangshan County have become Lee's agents, and she has since grown into a well-known CEO in the e-commerce sector in her hometown. More and more villagers in her neighborhood and impoverished people have turned to Lee for help. About 40,000 kilograms of pears grown by nearby impoverished villagers were sold with her assistance in 2016. The sales brought the villagers more than 50,000 UN, helping to pull them out of poverty. Inspired by Lee, more disabled people have joined her to start e-commerce businesses. Lee has since become a close friend of many impoverished villagers and disabled people in particular. In her spare time, she helps and motivates them to regain their confidence. Her deeds have been praised by the public and brought her many honors. Such as the title of role model of Suzhou and Anhui in 2017. In September of that year, she was also named a national award candidate, and she won the Fengjin Prize at the national award for efforts in poverty alleviation. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the China Untold podcast. To learn more about the podcast and to find a list of sources used for this episode, please visit our website www.chinauntoldpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at China Untold and on Facebook by searching China Untold Podcast. Thanks again for joining me, and I look forward to catching you next time with another fascinating story from the Middle Kingdom.